looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Past the Post. It's September the 18th, and if you're living in Brisbane, you have, have woken to an absolutely glorious morning, which will unfold on an absolutely glorious day. hope it was a winning day for you yesterday. Of course, as you know, Past the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Their website is archerparkracing.com.au. Plenty for sale there, plenty happening in the Archer Park camp. Ben Dorries joins me, as he does most Sunday mornings. Good morning. Yeah, David, you sound in a lot better mood than me. I had my car stolen yesterday down the Gold Coast. Tell me more. You wouldn't believe it. Like, seriously. Like, I've walked out. I've worked all day. Walked out of the press box. I got a message from someone saying the tow trucks had gone through the car park. And I actually parked in the chairman, Brett Brett Cook's spot. He said I could park there, so sweet as a nut. So I've gone out and the car's not there. So I've gone into a panic. No one knew anything about it. Gone for a walk around the car, car park. Nothing. Talked to Cookie. Give me nothing, said he didn't know what I was talking about. Rung the police, reported the car stolen, and you wouldn't believe it. Half an hour later, he fessed up. He'd gone into the press box, stolen my keys, gone out to the car park and moved my car about 800 metres up the road. Now, is he two years old or what? Well, I was going to say, has the man got nothing better to do on a race day, a big race day, that he's actually the chairman of, of, and he's doing these... Well, childish I, pranks. Like honestly, I must admit, I, I wanted to get out of there and watch uh, watch the AFL, uh, the Collingwood game, with my with my colleague Trent Naked as a nearby pub. It held me back for about half an hour. But anyway, I got the car back safe and sound. But rest assured, Cookie, if you're listening, <laughs> redemption's car, not redemption, revenge is coming. It may take three months, it might take three years, just but, made, but it's coming. I just made two points out of that. When you walked out, that feeling where there's just an empty space there, is it like you're it wasn't. Like, I don't know what, to, what, what what the expression is, but it's a very empty feeling in your stomach, I imagine. Well, it's fair to say it wasn't ideal. And, and Trent Nakers, my colleague who uh, uh, I drove down there, I expected a bit of something from him, a bit of sympathy, but he had no sympathy. He was just worried about how he was going to get back, whether he was going to catch a you know, train or what he was going to do. So anyway, we'll get him back, David. Don't worry about that. Many, many, many years ago, a very, a very young Chris Barsby, who was a, a proud owner of a, a big new fancy car, we went to dinner one night and I said, park there. He said, oh, you can't park there. He said, it's a, a night owl thing. They tow the cars away. I said, oh, they don't do that. I said, that's just a sign they put up. <laughs> so we we, <laughs> we go for dinner and we come out. And you know when you sort of just look towards where where his car is supposed to be and there's just that, there was that empty space and no one says anything for like five seconds? <laughs> and I thought, how am I going to handle this? So naturally I strode into the night owl. I said, where's this car? Oh, you've... It's been towed away. So we actually had to go to the towies in Wollongabba and Dave had to fork out the 400 to get it out. So it was a very expensive dinner. So I know a little, not that I drive, but I know a little about cars missing. That was, that was a true story. It wasn't ideal, put it that way. Okay, back to the racing front. And a good day of racing yesterday uh, in Sydney. Unfortunately, the weather ripped through the, the middle of the day in Melbourne. And, um, well, it, well, it did disrupt the program. They had to put the races back the last five races and the track went from I think a soft seven to or a soft six to a heavy eight so that was unfortunate I've got to say Ben Godolphin I think took the day if we were looking for a highlight day there were 19 races run yesterday in Sydney and Melbourne Godolphin won six of the 19 so they went almost a third there were 10 black type races and Godolphin won four of those 10 so 
just showing, and we're in the early stages of spring, like the big gun races are really coming up, they are in the box seat to be a, to be a force to be reckoned with. They always are, but but the, the, the firepower is there. Yeah, it was the day I think Australian racing turned blue, Godolphin blue, wasn't it? And I think I had a look this morning. They actually had 18 starters. Or sorry, James Cummings had 18 starters Australia-wide. It includes a few provincial runners in one eight. Eight of 18. Now, that's got to be one of the best training performances in Australian history, really. Uh, that was just everywhere you were looking, uh, there was blue, 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 wasn't there? Certainly was. And let's talk about the blue, 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 because the first race we are going to go to is the Group 1 George Main at Royal Randwick. Um, Zaki was out, in, out, in. In the end, he was out. And Animo then became a very short price favourite, an odds-on favourite. And if you backed him... It was a very comfortable watch. Here's the replay. And Henge, 400 metres to run, leads the way from Animo. Profondo, the inside. Ice Bath winding up with Modophilia. And then came Fangirl. Animo races to the lead at the 250. Animo just in front from Ice Bath, beating off Henge. Then came Fangirl. But Animo, up goes Animo and the George Main Stakes breaking clear. And there's five group ones. Animo went on to beat Ice Bath. Hinged in third, Modophilia fourth. Then came Fangirl. Further back to Dewis, Profondo, Maximal, and Converge was the last one to finish. He's building a, a wonderful record. 18 starts on the board. He's won half of them, and he's been placed in the seven others, so he's only ever missed top three twice in an 18-star career. That was his fifth group one yesterday. Yeah, um, as much as the race was dramatic, there was a lot more drama to come, though, with Animo pulling up three out of five lame. Now, that may not sound, uh, you know, on the face of it too significant, but there was even some murmurs last night he could potentially be out of the spring or a great portion of the spring. So, look, huge drama last night. We'll have to wait and see. I texted Vin Cox, uh, Godolphin's um, boss in Australia, uh, this morning just to get the latest. And he said, look, at the moment we're still going over th- over things you know, we expect to know more later this morning. So um, let's hope for the best. Uh, three out of five lane doesn't sound too bad, um, but uh, it, it sure ain't ideal when a horse is on a Cox Plate path. So uh, there could be some serious consequences coming out of this race. Yeah, the, the process that follows, so, so James Cummings uh, did tell, say to stewards, he said there was nothing abnormal in the horse's preparation leading up to yesterday. The vet inspection, uh, what, what will happen now is... The vet has inspected yesterday, as you said, three out of five lame. Sometimes trainers are a little bit um, circumspect about these reports. Uh, we've often seen it in lead-ups to races, you know, like Magic Millions race, where uh, a horse has to perform again or trot up again. Uh, and sometimes trainers, you know, are on the other side of the fence. But in this case, they'll now do their um, thorough inspection, uh, Godolphin of, of Animo, report back to stewards, and then... If, you know, fingers crossed the green lights there, they'll have to produce a vet clearance again before he races. So, yeah, that's a a story now lingering. Uh, The the, the chapter hasn't closed on the George Main, so we'll see what happens there. But, um, you know, after yesterday, uh, one more stop off before the Cox Plate, if if we're proceeding down a, a normal path and would either be the Turnbull or the Might and Power, I would imagine, in, in Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting, I thought, too, to listen to James McDonald post-race. I mean, everyone, I think, thought when they saw Animo outside the outside the leader, um, you know, it was kind of by design um, to kind of just, you know, ensure that there was no bad luck and, you know, he was just given a clear path. But but uh, James said he basically lobbed there by accident. Mm. It was actually the last place he, he sort of wanted to be in the run. So, uh, yeah, all credit to him. Uh, Ice Bath was well-backed. Um, 
and finished powerfully. Um, Hinged was okay, I thought, in third. Fangirl was probably a bit disappointing, however, uh, with the track remaining a soft seven. Uh, you know, she's definitely not at her best on rain-affected surface. I think a lot there was strong money for Fangirl earlier in the day. Mm. I think maybe people thought the track was going to dry out more than it did. Two points out of that, and you're spot on, because I think um, anyone we spoke to yesterday morning here on, on Slag Racing were predicting a soft six reassessment at some point, even early in the day. That never eventuated, and the Times bore out the fact that it was a genuine soft seven track. Uh, as far as the race was concerned... Animo just cruised in that controlling position, you know, whether it was by accident or design, probably by accident, as, as you've said. But they didn't go hard early. That's why Ice Bath Run was good, because she actually took off. I think the jockey realised he had to get going if he was to make any sort of impact, because they'd had it too easy up the front. And under the circumstances, sustaining that long run, she didn't lose any ground on the run of the line. She, she held her ground, so her run was good. But the, the, the sad part is, you know, talking in this sort of way about Ice Bath, you know, maybe next up, but there never seems to be a next start on the win line. It's always a place. Like, there's now 35 starts for four wins, 16 minor placings. Don't get me wrong, she's a wonderful money earner and a top-class mare, but just finds it hard to find the right race to win. Yeah, 100%. I mean, she's an each-way horse. But I suppose if you had a told connections before the race, they'd run second and, and be beaten less than a length, uh, less than a length by Animo. They would have taken it nine times out of ten, I would have thought. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what she does. Uh, obviously, loves a wet track too, so they'll be, you know, hoping for rain. With Animo wasn't the only one that pulled up a little on the, the, the worst for wear. Uh, Jewess was also one, one out of five lame, and you could actually see Josh Parr half ease her down over the last 50 metres, so just where she's at remains to be seen, and... Grafano, that was his third run in. He had a good run, but he, he didn't uh, finish off. But he just doesn't seem to like these, these rain-affected tracks, which, unfortunately, if you're in Sydney, seems to be part and parcel of racing these days. So that was the, the George Main Animo, his fifth Group 1 win. That story will be followed, of course, over the next 24 hours. Well, the other feature race yesterday, the other main feature race, the other talking point race, it probably created more discussion than Animo's, was the shorts, the million-dollar shorts, because this was the key... Everest lead up in a month's time. Nature Strip, a world champion sprinter, there's no no doubt about it. He was the favourite. Here's the replay. Eduardo comes up the rise, two lengths clear from Nature Strip, stalking him. Then came over past, lost and running to the outside, making ground. Eduardo in front, but Nature Strip getting on terms now. Here comes the champ, Nature Strip, taking the lead from Eduardo, clear from lost and running, and Nature Strip back on target to defend his Everest title. Nature Strip beat lost and running over past. They beat off Eduardo, then Mask Crusader from Marzu. Further back to Anathola, rocketing by from Andermatt, handle the true Shelby 66 and Classique Legend. Nature Strip again, what was that now? 22 from 39. This is just uh, wonderful stuff. And Rod Lyons, part owner, joins us as our first guest on Past the Post. Uh, Rod, Darren Flindell, the race caller, said after the race, is there anything this horse can't do? And there probably isn't, mate. No, well, we're pretty excited at the moment, uh, David. Uh, you know, he. he uh... He ran up to his best. He, he travelled back. That was always going to be a worry how he came back from the UK. But he travelled beautifully. He looked beautifully. And, uh, yeah, it was a terrific win. Terrific win. And, Rod, it's a slightly different Everest preparation this year, isn't it, going to the race second up rather than um, third up? Just a just a small tweak there, I guess, with him, you know, coming back from England. So potentially just having to having to change things around a bit. Yeah, he, he, um, he came back. 
uh, a lot more forward and, and came to hand a lot quicker than Chris anticipated. He, um, like, quarantine in England was pretty good because you could still work the horses once uh, he was at um, Newmarket. And once all the horses cleared the track, he could go out and work. So he only really had the two weeks with no work at Melbourne when he landed in quarantine there. So when he got to Chris's stables, he was quite forward. So Chris basically had to put the brakes on a bit to, uh, um, you know, not to get him too far uh, advanced. And that enabled him to step the one run into the Everest. Rod, watching Nature Strip and J-Mac, just, if you don't even have a bet in the race, you just watch the race, watching this pair together is poetry in motion. We often see him draw wider gates and he just rolls forward and, and, and J-Mac just knows exactly what to do. Yesterday, different proposition, drawing inside horses, but again, beautiful to watch. Look, it, it was, and I agree with you, that he really knows the horse inside out. And, um, you know, um, years gone by, he he would have been a worry in there, but now he's so such a complete horse. He's just so relaxed. He uh, didn't worry him at all. James said just before the turn he got a bit anxious and he just gave him all boy, all boy, and he came right back underneath him. Mm. And if that string to his bow can become part of his game plan, well, I think he's going to be an even better horse if it's, if it's possible. Just take us back a step, Rod, to England. Uh, we all saw what happened on the track. We saw the you know, the scenes in the mounting yard and, and it was just fabulous stuff. Everyone loved it. Just take us behind the scenes, though. Was there a moment over there that you had a surprise moment? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you meant... Prince Charles, who's now king, or, or, or just someone that you met or something that happened behind the scenes, you thought, wow, that's just a moment I'll remember for the rest of my life. Well, Ben, there were a number, but I, I, would, I would say just the fact of going to Royal Ascot, and we got to go to Royal Ascot on the Friday and watch him work, and just to walk down that track and look to where they started, to where the finish is, you can't, can hardly see the finish post, and that was just a real eye-opener, and, and then walking onto the track on race day and just realising the history of 300 years of racing that was there, the champions that have been there. I, I saw Aidan O'Brien, I saw Frankie Vittori, I saw Ryan Moore. And you pinch yourself, you think, we're actually here. We're actually here in this, ra- in this race, in this country. And uh, so there were a number of, of highlights like that. You're seeing the royal family so close and seeing the now king is within touching distance. All that was just you would have thought as a knockabout kid from Springvale where I come from, that would never happen. <laughs> that, that would be a dream that would never be realised. Well, as a knockabout from Springvale, and so being a, a Victorian, we, we get the opportunity with you this morning. We, we, we've seen the race, but we, we know what he does, and, and he's now the favourite. For, well, he was always the favourite for the Everest. He's enhanced his claims there. But I was talking to a colleague of mine yesterday. I was at the Gold Coast races, and we are just talking about nature stripping. He brought up the the, 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 the topic uh, without any prompting. He said, well, he'd have to be considered better than Manicato now. And you go back to... You remember Manicato, like, at the of time, course. he was just, you know, wonderful. And, but he's always carried legendary status, as was Kingston Town. They were like hand and glove, you know, the king and the man, Manicato and Kingston Town. Before Manicato was probably going back to a horse like Vane. Before Kingston Town was probably a horse like Tullock. But Nature Strip, on what he's doing, and he hasn't finished yet, I think that comparison has to be um, certainly thought about it, even, you know, I mean, it's hard to compare horses of different eras, but you know them both, Rod. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought the best sprinter I'd seen before Black Caviar was Vane. Um, I saw it. Um, Manicato, 
um, Schwarzier, um, yeah, I've seen some great, great sprinters. I, I, I have to say to you that I, I agree. I, you know, Manicato was one of my favourite horses, and just to be compared with him is, is an honour. But certainly, he's not finished yet. And when he finishes, history will tell you. Um, you know, two-time horse of the year, three-time sprinter of the year, nine, ten-time Group One winner, and Everest going over to England. What he's done in the history books in ten years' time, people will read that, and I think they're the ones who will, will compare him and say, well. You know, it's all there in the record book for you to see. He was a champion. And, and Rod, sorry, but Rod, one of the things about Manicato that I think we remember fondly, uh, you know, he he raced over many uh, seasons uh, and certainly didn't didn't win all of them. But one of the things I think we remember chiefly those five William Reeds, and that goes to longevity. That goes to being able to stand up every year in the same spot at the same time and win. And I'm not saying those William Reeves were, were the greatest of races, but people do remember Manicato. I think primarily it's one of the, the chief reasons, those those five William Reeds. Well, you're right, and, and his toughness and coming up year after year after year. And I think, you know, um, this guy is showing that same sort of toughness. He's beautifully managed by Chris and Chris and the team. And uh, you know, two or three run, runs of prep, as I said earlier, if, if that way he can race behind them and just use that blistering, you know, sub-11 for at the right time of the race, later in the race, well, you know, maybe in time we, we can really compare him to those great horses. He's now $2.10, wowee, in the Everest. How do you sit back and watch these things play out now? Look, the rest of us are sort of fascinated by, um, you know, the remaining slot holders, some of the horses that could be up for grabs. It doesn't look to be a hugely deep pool this year. Do, do you get intrigued and fascinated by that sort of stuff, you know, who your competition might be, or do you just sit back and think, we've got Nature Strip, that's all that matters? Well, no, Ben, you take... They've done such a fabulous job with the Everest and all those all the sprint races now, even the ones in Melbourne now, that you sit back, you watch all, all the competitors, you take a, a great... Uh, yeah, a great deal in um, in uh, watching that. And I think that yesterday there were three or four very good runs behind him, but they're going to have to improve because we think there's a bit of improvement in our horse. Mm. So I, I watch them all and and, uh, and look forward to the race, look forward to the day. It's a, it's a fabulous day. It's an exciting day. Um, yeah, I never think he's passed the post. $2.10 or $1.50. Strange things can happen in racing. We can always always find one better or something happens. Um, but I'm excited and looking forward to it. We know that he is the horse to beat for sure. So it's a month to the Everest. That's that's when we'll see him next uh, under race conditions. Will he have a trial before then? I'd say for sure. Yeah. For sure, David. I think he'll, he'll trial again. Probably jump, maybe he'll jump out at home at the trial and then uh, roll into the Everest here. Well, not only for yourself, but the other owners, it's leading you on a wonderful journey. And as you've said, it's it's not over yet. And for people like Ben and myself, just to be able to have a chat, uh, not just about the race, but, you know, wider points about Nature Strip because he is a great talking point. And I think he's lost that um, enigma tag now. I think people really look at him and say, you are the best in the world, and that's that's a great place for him to be in. Thanks for your time. Uh, it's my pleasure. Nice talking to you, boys. There he is, Rod Lyons, joining us this morning. Always very good with his time. And, look, um, let's have a look at the race yesterday. Um, Nature Strip was expected to win and had the right run and got and got the job done. And he's a, a worthy uh, favourite at $2.10, as you outlined, for the Everest. I thought Lost and Running's run was terrific, outside of Nature Strip. Yeah, it was. And it was interesting, Hugh Bowman got suspended for 
failing to ride the horse out. So, um, you know, ran third, but should have run second, you, you would have thought. Um, there's definitely some more in the in the tank there with that horse. Uh, he's on the way up. Overpass was fabulous, I thought. Um, Eduardo, only just, I reckon. Had an easy enough yeah, an easy enough lead, sort of track conditions to suit. Ran fourth, wasn't disgraced. Uh, must say I expected more. Marzu, definitely up to top level. Uh, can he win at Everest? No. But um, I thought he was he was he was very encouraging. The horse that ran last, Classic Legend. I don't think we'll see again. I think that's it. There's, there's just been so many injury setbacks. Uh, another one yesterday, uh, which does bring up an interesting point. We've got all these Everest slots up for grabs. Looks like another one now. Bon Ho. What, what's he going to do with his Everest slot? Um, you couldn't imagine Classic Legend running in an Everest. Don't. And Lesbridge is an absolute master, but he'll have to be that times twenty. Well, we've been talking about figures this morning. So Adamo was three out of five late. Classic Legend was three out of five lame as well in the near four and he's actually gone for a spell so I mean Les is sensible enough to know that and I, and I think it's fair to say too that leading up to yesterday's race what you saw on the trialling tracks you thought to yourself well you know let's see what ha- let's see what happens on race day but uh, I think we saw that so that's a story in itself Overpass actually pulled up two out of five lame as well what I liked about Overpass and he can't you know, it's pretty brash to say these things but you wouldn't think he could win at Everest but they can be competitive. And what I like was he kept finding the line. He didn't shirk the task. He was on that hot speed and, and he didn't shirk the task. Why I like Lost and Run's run, Lost and Running's run, was, again, it went into that race without a great deal of trial hype. It was four wide all the way, no cover. And, yeah, Hugh was a bit kind to it, probably well, obviously a bit too kind as the, as the stewards um, uh, ruled. But... Um, if I owned Lost and Running, or I was the um, the slot holder, I'd be happy going into the the Everest of what I saw yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was a horse four billion to one in that race that sort of annoyed Lost and Running. You know, bumped a few times as well. But I think your assessment there, David, is very much backed up by the tab markets. Uh, as I mentioned before, Nature Strip two ten, Lost and Running, absolute clear second favourite at seven dollars. The only other horse. In double figures, then we go down to Eduardo and Marzu. We should make mention as well, since we were last on mm. on air for this show, Snap Dancer has been has been snapped up for a spot. The Moya Stakes on Friday night uh, shapes as a fascinating race, the Group One, for many reasons. Uh, it will have a strong Queensland contingent um, with Rothfire Isotope now will will run after being scratched yesterday and Zoo Style, but Paul Laley as well. Mm. Uh, after Godolphin's great day yesterday, I think Paul Laley is probably their number one seed for the Everest. But will he stand up next Friday night? So four weeks to go and six slots to fill. That's the equation at the moment. Rightio, let's uh, continue our look back at Royal Randwick yesterday on the soft seven track. We're going to go to the the T-Rose, the Group 2 for the three-year-old fillies. This, of course, is the last lead up to the flight stakes, the Group 1 over the mile in a fortnight's time. And it's Willinga Beast just in front of North Star Lass, followed then by Pantanario, seven veils, three wide. The favourite Zoo Gotcha is wedged between them as they straighten up now. Willinga Beast coming deep from North Star Lass and Pantanario. Now Zoo Gotcha is angling off heels. McDonald does so now. North Star Lass moved up to take the lead. Narrowly from Willinga Beast, Zoo Gotcha. Madam Pomery running a big race on the outside. Many chances here. Madam Pomery moved up together with Zoo Gotcha. 
Zugotcha, Madame Pomery. Zugotcha is fighting hard. Zugotcha coming back. Zugotcha won the T Rose, beat Madame Pomery. Wolverine rattling home at a third. Then North Star Last Renaissance Woman Willinga Beast. Further back to Byron Bell with late headway. A gap then to Ningaloo Star from Grace's Secret. Seven Vales too keen in the run and Pantanario last. Zugotcha's the $3 favourite now for the flight in two weeks' time. In secrets in the market there, but she's running next Saturday in the, the Golden Rose at $6, so there's, what, 14% there that might be uh, taken out. Wolverine, uh, again, running on well behind Zugotcha at $6. Fireburn, she's extreme at 8 and Madame Pomery at $11. Madame Pomery was a good run, and I think... Um Chris Waller's going to split these fillies. Obviously, Zugotra will stay in Sydney, as you mentioned, and Madame Pomery will head to the 1,000 guineas in Melbourne. I think she's about a $15 chance and not completely hopeless, I wouldn't have thought, after yesterday's run. I think Zugotra as well uh, could potentially be better on a firmer track. I mean, she, she looked in a spot of trouble there for a minute yesterday, didn't she? She was strong at the end. It was a gritty, valiant win. Um, but she could even get better, I think, with a dry track. She she looked in strife at about the 100 metres, particularly when Madame Pomery made that, that sharp dash. But for some reason, he just gets him over the line, Jay Mack, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Five times out of ten, he got him over the line yesterday. So an outstanding riding effort. He is Australia's best rider. Let's go to our final highlight from Royal Rambic yesterday. We'll go to the Kingston Town, the Group 3, Race 9. Knight's Order comes up the rise, two lengths clear from Surefire. Then came a leg run and Benno winding up on the outside. It's Knight's Order being challenged by a leg run and Benno three out is going after them. It's a leg run and Benno, he leg run the middle from Benno the outside. A leg run's kicking. A leg run goes on to win the Kingston Town, was able to fend off Benno. Knight's Order third, then Stockman, followed by Surefire and no compromise. Further back to Angela True, Francesca Guardi. Cook and Elias was last to clock in. Well, Legron's $8 in the Metropolitan now in two weeks' time. Benno, he beat Benno home, I thought, fairly and squarely, but Benno's ahead of him in the market at four fifty. ahead of both of them as the informed Durston at $4. Yeah, it was a beautifully timed run, I thought, there uh, on the winner. Um, interesting Caulfield Cup ramifications here too. I mean, how they sort of potentially get to that race. Allegron and Benno are both $15, so... I think a Dolphin is definitely keen to try and get that horse to a Caulfield Cup, but as you say, the Metrop, uh, you know, is first. And you get a penalty, obviously, for, you know, if you won the Metrop, wouldn't you, in terms of the Cup? So, anyway, we'll have to wait and see. He's a horse who hasn't found the win line too often, Allegro. Of course, he created that a good impression when he won the St. Ledger in uh, April of uh, this year. But yesterday, he notched his third win. Beautiful ride by Rachel King. Just positioned him well, let him travel off the fence at the right time, presented at the right time, and, and then got the job done. So they were some of the highlights at Royal Randwick yesterday. Of course, next Saturday we go back to Rose Hill Gardens. This time it's the Golden Rose, the 1,400-metre million-dollar Group 1 feature. And then, of course, the following week it's Epsom Metro and Flight Stakes Day. Let's turn our attention now from Royal Randwick to Caulfield. As we said, a, a big storm came through in the middle part of the day. We saw the track downgraded to the heavy eight range. The feature was the Sir Rupert Clark. Ben Dory's favourite race at Group 1 level. 550 metres to go as it loves to do. Gets out and runs and leads by a length and a quarter. Tuvalu, Red Can Man. Then came Cool Sign Mab. And behind them, Laws of Indices as the field come to the middle of the course. Then Azar, Just Folks, Showmanship cuts the corner. Then I Am Superman and Banker's Choice is the widest. Buffalo River joined by Tuvalu. 200 metres to go. It's Tuvalu just in front. Here's Cool Sign Mab on the outside running on with I Am Superman. 
and then Buffalo River, Callsign Mav up to Tuvalu. I am Superman chasing both of them. Callsign Mav just in front and won it. Callsign Mav from I am Superman and third was Tuvalu. Dallasan prominent for fourth with Laws of Indices. Then came Buffalo River. Next to finish just folk Dallasan Azar. Then came Showmanship Shalo. Well back in the field was out wider on the course pulling up quickly Banker's Choice with Halal and Graceful Girl. Callsign Mav uh, proving too strong on the heavy conditions giving Jamie Mott his first Group 1 success as a jockey. The trainer, Danny O'Brien, and quite appropriately as well because he was apprenticed to Danny O'Brien, Jamie Mott, beating I Am Superman and Tuvalu, starting at $16. Adam Nelson is one of the part owners of Callsign Mav. He's been kind enough to join us on Past the Post this morning. Adam, good morning. Yeah, good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you, and I'm sure you're well as well. How'd no. you get... Hey? <laughs> no. Well, no. Well, well in spirits, maybe not well in condition. Yeah, but 100%. What, what, what about... Uh, what were the expectations for you and, and your owners yesterday? Did you give yourself a chance in the race? Uh, yes. Um, obviously, conditions suited. Uh, and uh, we knew the horse was, was, was fitter, and he's been trained for the 14-16 this time around, which is which is his wheelhouse. Um, but, yeah, when the rain came, we weren't too worried. We knew it was going to put us in and take a few out. So, um Yes, there was a few bets flying around. Um, yeah, confidence was, was reasonable. We were expecting sort of top three, top four for sure. Adam, tell, tell us about your history with this horse and the horse's history, I guess, itself. I mean, we remember him running in the Cox Plate last year, but I reckon his, his story has been told, but certainly for our listeners, uh, if you just you know, fill in the blanks, I, I guess, with your involvement in the horse and, and the horse itself. You probably haven't got enough time for it. But, uh, <laughs> we have. Uh, so it uh, it goes back, obviously, to when he was uh, a little He was purchased um, by uh, a mate and another girl who um, um, who was given permission, basically, to buy him. Spent a bit of money um, when he went through the weaning sales, and they snapped him up for 3000 So I didn't actually get involved at that stage. I came along probably six months later um, and bought a, bought a share, and then um, the other 50% owner wanted to get out, so I ended up buying out her share and sort of spreading that around with a few family and friends. Um, gave 5% to my dad for, for a birthday present and um, and a, a work colleague who I you know, have known for, you know, since high school, basically, and another good mate that we work with. So we've been enjoying the ride since back then. And then um, the other major part owner wanted to get out. So I put together a quick syndicate of work colleagues and... Um, it was basically within two hours. I said, "Look, I think we're going to need about ninety grand to buy out this other share because it went through the digital online sale, and I reckon I had the horse sold one and a half times. So uh, we're lucky enough to snap that other portion up for about eighty percent, and I bought a whole new brace of owners. In my sister came in, a whole lot of work colleagues, and extended. So the ownership group went from about five or six to about fifteen to twenty. I think we're at now. So." Um, yeah, so that's sort of kind of how the gestation came around the ownership side of things, and that started a relationship with John Barry, who's I know you guys have spoken to a few times. He is an absolutely cracking guy, and uh, uh, yeah, we've been enjoying the, enjoying the rides, albeit um, via the radio and the TV. Until yesterday, we none of us had seen him win a race live <laughs> until yesterday. So, so that was why probably the extra thrill yesterday, but the win we were actually there to watch him win.
Yeah, that's terrific. And I'm assuming with the with the name Callsign Mav, someone in the ownership group is a is a Top Gun fan. Is that you? Or? Yeah, one of the original owners. Um, yes, that was uh, his doing. His his stable nickname had always been Maverick or Mav, so the, we couldn't get that as a horse name. So the call sign just went in front of it. And I'm pretty. Is John still in the ownership of it, John Barry? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, he's he came along for the ride early days, saw some potential in the horse, so. Um, yeah, jumped on, and it's, I actually talked to him this morning. He said, now I know how you... I can't say what he said, but now I know how you guys feel um, not being there to watch the races. Oh, can't really, can't really watch the race. And, and you still enjoy it, but being there live for it's just next level. So um, we, we jumped on the plane and been to New Zealand, or well, two of us had anyway, three or four times, and watched him run the Hawks Bay Guineas and the New Zealand Guineas and... Never saw him actually win a race, so to be there yesterday was was extra extra icing on the cake. And and you you explained the story to us, and it must be a wonderful feeling. Well, I know it is. I mean, anyone who's owned a horse, but if you can race it with friends, friends and family, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, quite right. I said to uh, someone asked me afterwards. Imagine your dad. I said, oh, dad would be catatonic. Bless his cotton socks. And I got a phone call. Uh, my my family are actually in Perth and so I got home last night and I was a bit uh, um, merry and I uh, got a phone call from my sister and she was on a boat cruise on a girls night out and she was still going still off her head about it as well and <laughs> thank you this has been so good as we are <laughs> it was actually quite a great phone call to get at midnight so um yeah, it, it, <clears throat> racing with family and friends, it, it, it's it's quite tight. And the buzz obviously leading up to a race is, you know, whether expectations are high or low, the buzz leading up to a race is still really great as well. And your jockey's quite a story, isn't he, Jamie Mott? Like, he's a he's a, a great guy. He's a bit quirky too, isn't he? Like, he eats, a, I think, a, just a plant-based diet. And he, I read yesterday he's, he spends 15 minutes in the, you know, every morning in a chest freezer in his garage to try and lose weight. I've never heard of that before. I, so I can I can see why he towers above most of the other jockeys mm. when they you know, walk out to to leg him up. He's a big, but he is a he is a lovely guy. Um, and we, we sort of I'm glad we made the moves we did to get him back on the on the horse because it wasn't originally the plan for this prep that he was going to ride. But um, yeah, the ownership group were quite keen to get him back on. So I'm, I'm glad we stuck with him and. The last thing I said to him as he walked into the ring yesterday, I said, go, go bust your cherry, mate. Go get, you, go get your Group 1. And he rode, he rode a Group 1 race yesterday. It was perfect. He certainly was. And uh, he was very humble and very modest in his post-race speech as well. He, he took time out to, to say hello to his uh, wife and his, his kids and his mum and dad as well. So it's a great result uh, all around. Before we let you go, what path do we head down now with Callsign Mav? Uh, well, he'll go to the Turak in three weeks. Mm. Um, before yesterday, there was a, some thought to backing up next week into the 1500 metre race at Sandown, but uh, he'll go to the Turak in three weeks, and I think it's three weeks to the Waterford Crystal, and then we'll have a depending how he gets through that, we'll have a look at the the Wait for Age Mile race at the Flemington Carnival. Flemington's probably not his ideal track, but if he's if he's still showing, he's still in form and still going well, I think he's probably locked into a wait-for-age path once he gets through the Turak anyway. So, And I, I think that'll be it for this campaign and we'll come back and have a look at autumn targets, maybe the All-Star Mile again or something like that. Exciting times ahead. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us this morning, Adam. 
No worries, gentlemen. Have a great day. You too. Eh? Adam Nelson, one of the part owners of Callsign Row, who hasn't been overly raced. He's a six-year-old, but he's only had the 25 starts, and yesterday was his eighth win, but that's a good story. It goes to show you, doesn't it, uh, punting's a hard business. I mean, if you had your bets, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, unless you're a professional punter, a very serious punter, a lot of people might have put their bets on yesterday morning. The complexion of the day just changed completely, mm. didn't it, when that, I mean, there was always going to be rain on the way, so you factored that in. But, I mean, you don't see two downgrades of the track at the same time. Like, it was downgraded twice within a minute, yeah. basically. So it just changed the complexion of that race entirely. And, and just on the betting point of view, like, there were several races yesterday. Once that storm hit, there were a, a, a load of late scratching. So markets changed. There were deductions. So it, it did throw it into disruption. But it is what it is, and we have to deal with that. But I thought uh, out of the race, actually, I'm Superman race well, considering... He doesn't normally like uh, rain-affected tracks. But Tuvalu, I, I, I thought the run was good. He was first up. That was a tough ask, first up under the conditions. And he just he just uh, just knocked up the last bit. But I'm sure Connections would be delighted with the run. That was the Sir Rupert Clark. There were several other black tie races yesterday. We're going to go now to one of them. And this was the Thousand Guineas Prelude for the Phillies. Celestial Spirit took it up cleanly coming up towards the corner at the 450 a length Miss Hellfire she's lickety split despite being wide runs towards the middle of the track and is coming on they were followed then by Presenia March Bonner Mumbai Jewel and Boogie Dancer brought to the middle and is coming home hard Boogie Dancer takes the lead 200 to go kick clear two links in front of a wall Bonner Mumbai Jewel she's lickety split and Sumatra late but it's all Boogie Dancer careering away and Boogie Boogie Dancer won it easily. Three legs Sumatra. She's Liggety split. Then Bonner and behind them then was Mumbai Jewel. Celestial Spirit. Presenia March. A gap. Vagrant. Hope at hand. Miss Hellfire. Love Nest. Call sign Charlie. And denied was at the back. She's the real deal, this filly, because she's had the six starts now for Peter Moody. That was her fourth win. But what I like about her CV is... So if it happens to rain on Thousand Guineas, there's no dramas. I think she's never been on a good track. All of her runs have been on rain-affected tracks, but she can race on speed. We've seen her do that to advantage. And yesterday, unleashed that big run, probably on the right part of the track. That's fair enough, but I wouldn't swap her for anything in come Thousand Guineas time. Yeah, she's very versatile now. Um, $8 in the Thousand Guineas really powered into that market. And I would suggest quite a satisfying moment for Peter Moody, given... Uh, he thought he was going to have the favourite for the Group 1 yesterday, but didn't make the field. I wish I win. So um, whether that horse, how that horse would have performed, if it had a good run on the, the heavy track, we'll never know. Let's go to the how now. This is the Group 3 for the Mayors. And uh, speaking of Peter Moody, he provided the favourite here, Chain of Lightning. Look at this for a spectacle around the home corner. This is going to be a real race for the final 300 metres, a real sprint. Chain of Lightning just in front with Lavish Girl Zapateo. They're the three, the next a leader and another award. Chain of Lightning under pressure here. Zapateo's got her. Zapateo from Lavish uh, Girl on the inside, then another award. Zapateo coming clear and Zapateo, the second favourite, won it. From Lavish Girl and Chain of Lightning just from another award, the next a leader. She's all class and written beauty. Well, Zapatea back against her own sex. Of course, she was in the Concord behind Eduardo after very being very impressive at, at Royal Ramwick first up, but she handled the uh, heavy conditions well. Uh, Ollie found the right part of the track, and she beat them and beat them pretty easily. Yep, absolutely. This race uh, was another one, I suppose, that changed complexion with the rain. Um, Isotope, for instance, was one of the favourites in this race. was a late scratching, um, you know, would never have been a factor on a heavy track, so save for another day. And 
See a horse there called Another Award ran fourth day. Do you know anything about that horse? I, I kept hoping for the late scratches. I was hoping we get down <laughs> to three runners because we weren't. We were certainly running, even though she'd never been on a heavy. But she just couldn't quite get to third. She, she ran fourth. Of course, she, she did as proud of the Sangster earlier in the year when she ran fourth. But she was good first up there yesterday. It might have been on the wrong part of the track, so she went okay. Just looking in the ownership of that horse, I don't see a D Fowler, but I see Beers and Skittles. Beers and Skittles. Beers and Skittles. The lion share. That's right. Where yeah. are we? And I didn't make you that name up. You struck me, uh, struck me as more of a wine and cheese sort of guy rather than beer and Skittles, but anyway. Yeah, as I said, I was not involved <laughs> in the name. Let's go to the other uh, feature yesterday. This is the uh, the Foundation Cup. Kieran Barr and David Eustace to the fore here. Four across the track around the corner at the 400 metres and then came the Amazonian emissary to the outside. Midnight Blue back to the fence and behind those horses Chapada. It's Uncle Bryn driving through at the 250 and Smoke and Romans. Then Gold Trip three quarters of a length off them. Smoke and Romans, Uncle Bryn at the 150. Gold Trip and Chapada late the outside. It's in the middle Smoke and Romans and Uncle Bryn. Smoke and Romans the stronger and wins it. Smoke and Romans from Uncle Bryn Chapada has just missed third from Gold Trip. I'd say Gold Trip just nailed it. Chapada fourth and then came Emissary to Sean Sweet Jr. Shiraz Midnight Blue Luna Flare. Behind those the Amazonian Elephant Crystal Pegasus and at the end Earlswood. He was third run in Smoke and Romans. Ethan Brown put him on the speed. He travelled well and uh, held Uncle Brit who made a determined challenge but wasn't quite good enough. And the gold trip ran well at the stable mate of Smoke and Romans in third. Yeah, and um, qualifies uh, or passes the ballot uh, for the Caulfield Cup, Smoke and Romans. I thought it was a really tough win. It was um, under a bit of pressure, and I thought this horse will do well to hold on for a place, but um, it was really tough. Again, sounded like a broken record, but another race, um, the heavy eight. Uh, for instance, I was talking to Peter Ty um, after the last on the gold case when I was trying to locate my stolen car, actually. Uh, he's in the ownership of Crystal Pegasus, who started $9.00. I really liked this horse for this race, but then, then when the rain came, just had no chance. He said, look, we just had to run it for fitness purposes. So, um, yeah, but strong win, nothing taken, taken away from that. And Kieran Martin, Dave Eustace, just another plank to their strong spring armoury. It's been some time since I've criticised our producer, producer Dale, but I noticed there's no replay of the Caulfield Guineas preview won by half cabin, so we'll just put that down to as a... As a slight error in the program, not to worry, but it was impressive. Half cabin again, a Godolphin horse, and this was a, this was the race that was running the uh, the driving rate in the windy conditions. It was a uh, it was uh, I think as Matt described it, uh, extraordinary circumstances, but he was very dominant. Half cabin, so he's a, an ideal Caulfield Giddy horse. Yeah, it was fascinating to hear Damien Oliver, who's not normally the most outspoken guy, sort of keeps to himself a fair bit, but he said the stewards really should have delayed the running of this race. He said it was just a trace that was hail, like horses were getting hit by hail. He said it was just a complete shambles. So, look, it did, in fairness to the stewards, though, it sort of, it's not like it came out of nowhere, but it sort of did. Like, they didn't realise, I'm sure, that it was going to be that heavy. But it, just watching that race, it was just extraordinary scenes, wasn't it? When you said shambles, I thought you were going to say another word. What was I going to say? Oh, well, show would be the second word. <laughs> Shambles. Oh, yes. The, the word uh, I unleashed on... Uh, yeah, exactly. So oh, you, yeah. you said a priest the last Monday, so I, I wasn't going to be surprised by anything. I never got a pull through. I was expecting our man David Salmon, the boss of this joint, to give me a ring or something, so just watch your language, but nothing. So I might just see what, what else I can get away with. You've, ju- you've just reminded him. Let's take a break on Past the Post. Thanks for your company this morning. We'll come back and have a look at Pink Ribbon Cup Day at Aquas Park Gold Coast and also the Wiley at Morfordville. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Yes, archerparkracing.com.au, the website to go to, and uh, always plenty on there. 
Let's uh, turn our attention now to racing at the Gold Coast yesterday. A big fundraiser for breast cancer, the Pig Ribbon Race Day. This was the 15th running, and only in recent years it's attained metropolitan <coughs> status. But I've got to say from where I was broadcasting from yesterday, Ben, uh, it's a great spot to, to watch the races from, to call from. It was a sea of pink everywhere. It was, it was good to look at. Yeah, it's terrific. And the Gold Coast do these things really well. They've also got a... a, a you know, a Men Matter uh, Health Day, which is, of course, close to my heart. I think it's on July 29 next year. So I love seeing racing doing things like this, supporting charities and, and you know, important causes. But it was a real party atmosphere on the on the Gold Coast yesterday. And ev- virtually everyone, apart from my colleague Trent Knackers, had pink on. It was uh, tremendous to see. Yes, he defied the trend, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he actually forgot. <laughs> Silly boy. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the Pink Ribbon Cup and Mimi Lagarde was the favourite but an easing one. They swing for home, 3.50 left, Arana. Miss Divine M5 away from the rail leads. Vaccine coming after it, Gamely. Coming with a strong run now is Mimi Lagarde right down the outside. And Tara Jasmine is the widest runner as well. It's still Miss Divine M in front from Vaccine. Tara Jasmine is finishing at the rate of knots, but still a leader is Miss Divine M. Tara Jasmine is trying hard. Miss Divine M is kicking well. Miss Divine M all the way, won the Pink Ribbon Cup. Big Tara Jasmine, Vaccine. Fourth not sure, cold hard fact or better get set. Then Mimi Lagarde, Dubai Pride, Queen of Dubai, and leave me some. Whipped them in in 111.77. Yes, Miss Divine M defied all of the uh, the challenges. Uh, she likes to get out and do her own thing, either up in front or near the lead, and she's been a great bunny spinner for the Adam and Dallas Simpson stable. That's now her third Metropolitan win. Uh, she won at uh, the Sunshine Coast. Uh, in fact, that was a, a provincial win, but then she's won two city races. She won at Doombin in late August. And, of course, the big race there yesterday, formerly with the Patrick Payne stable in Victoria. Uh, Adam Simpson is going to join us very shortly to discuss the win. He's with us now. Adam, good morning. Good morning. How are we? We're very well. I've got to say, um, I've been around a long time, and I never like to admit when I don't know anyone or their background. So you, you've got a clean page with our audience this morning. Uh, tell us about your background, Uh and how you've come to be training at the Sunshine Coast and how you came to get Mr. Von M. Yeah, no, uh, we've been up here at Sunshine Coast probably uh, going on three years now. Um, been around and worked for numerous trainers in Victoria and South Australia and that, uh, both Dallas and myself. And, uh, yeah, a couple of years back we thought it was time to move up to Sunshine Coast and come um, train our own right. And, uh, yeah, it's been great. So where did you grow up, Adam, and what was your, did you have horse racing in the, in the, in the family or, or just give us a bit of an insight into to your background when you were a young fella? Well, you still are a young fella, but when you were younger. Um, yeah, no, there was no horse racing in my family. Um, I grew up in Bell Reynold on the uh, New South Wales-Victorian border and uh, Dallas grew up in Mildura in Victoria on the Murray there. Um, but, yeah, I, I had no uh, racing at all in my family. It was, uh, I was stargazing out the uh, classroom window looking at the racetrack uh, <laughs> and thought I'd have a crack at that, you know. How did you so, come uh, to get Mr. Von M? Uh, she was on, we um, just looked at her on Inglis there back in June and uh, thought she was a good purchase. We picked her up for 25000 and, um, you know, it's worked out for us that uh, she's been a really great purchase for myself and Dallas and the, the rest of the connections. In just to explain to our listeners you, the, the sort of makeup of your stable. Like how many horses you've got? Do you, do you have sort of owners in common with a few of them? Like, you know, where are you at now and, and sort of where do you want to be in the future, I guess, in terms of your, your training business? 
Yeah, we're uh, we've got about ten of our own horses at the moment, um, or with our clients, and yeah, um, a lot of our horses have the same clients in them. Um, we're based up here at Yandina at Carolee Park. Um, got a beautiful facility here with um, the Water Walker, and um, they're on sixty acres, so it's good. They've got the paddocks and nice big boxes and all the rest. And uh, you know, we do about twenty pre-trainers as well for other trainers and. Um, you know, we, we aim to grow and um, we'd like to stay at, a, at like a rather small stable of probably, you know, 20, 25 horses of our own would probably be our maximum, you know, um, to make sure that every horse is getting that one-on-one still. And this mare got beaten out of sight seven days earlier. What level of confidence did you go in with um, yesterday? Um, yeah, last week I'd, we'd just come home and said we'll put a line through... Um, through today and and or that was last Saturday and thought look she where she got squeezed out it wasn't her racing pattern and uh, we thought we'll just forget about it uh, she had a very quiet week took her to uh, the track on Thursday and the way she worked I I uh, had a great deal of confidence there and um, I thought you know leading into that race there's some very handy mares in it for sure and uh, but, you know I thought I had the best mare there on the day and um, you know it worked out that that was the case but. Uh, yeah, I was, I was very happy with her all week. And, uh, yeah, when she was in the parade ring, I had a lot of confidence in her. Now, did, was Tegan committed to Tara Jasmine or did she jump off? Did she have the choice? Yes, she she did have the um, the choice. Uh, but, yeah, she, she took Tara Jasmine because um, she had been riding her previously. And, yeah, she elected to take take that ride. And uh, Angela's manager rang up and... Um, and seeing if if we had anyone, and look, uh, Angela's in great form. Mm. Uh, this early in the season, you know, she's sitting really high up there on the on the premiership table already. So uh, look, it's, she's a great young rider, and she'll go a long way in her career for sure. You place good faith in her because it was a non-claiming race, but uh, she is in good demand, and uh, she rated her beautifully out in front. And I suppose too, as we let you go now. She's only a five-year-old, Mr. Vine M, and that was only her twenty-eighth start, seventh win. She's also developing a bit of value as a broodbed, a potential broodbed. Yes, it has been been a bit of the talk uh, around a few of the owners that, yes, the, when when the time does come, I think the value of, as a broodmare is certainly going to be there, you know, and um, she's she's done well for herself. Great to see you get your lights on the board there with with, uh, with um, Mr Vinem yesterday. So to you and Dallas, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Hope to see you in the winner's circle many more times. No, thank you very much. There is Adam Simpson joining us this morning, part of the training partnership of Adam and Dallas Simpson. The highlight there was Miss Divine M. Tara Jasmine might have been unlucky because she she stood flat-footed at the start, missed it by two or three lengths, got beaten in the neck. The disappointment of the race was Mimi Lagarde. The market sort of indicated that, got out really quickly late in the betting and uh, made a brief dash around the turn and then stalled. Yeah, um, you know how you can get a race completely right but also completely wrong? I thought... The whole way through, I thought Mimi Lagarde was um, not a false favourite, but I just was was happy to risk her, especially when she was, you know, two dollars fifty, two dollars sixty. I think she was wound out to three dollars sixty. You might have even been able to get four four dollars if you shopped around, and was sort of right there. But do you think I found the winner? Of course I didn't. Um, but look, I, I guess Mimi Lagarde, she's had feet problems. The track yesterday was obviously heavy, which is not in a sweet spot. She was always going to get well back, so there were reasons. Um, to risk her, weren't there? So it'll just be interesting to see where they go from here.
Well, Tegan Harrison might have pulled the wrong rein in the Pink Ribbon Cup and uh, had the ultimate indignity of having to run second on Tara Jasmine and maybe an unlucky second, but uh, she was to the fore in the sprint race, race five, on a roughie called Princess Luna. Here's how it panned out. 500 out. Princess Luna led La Pamier narrowly. Dreamweaving with the sit on the pair third. Pizzoni, Global Citizen, fifth in the rail. Wider Arrow Express, the deepest was Super Air. Pizzoni dropped back all of a sudden. And Mossman Gorge pulled to the outside. Princess Luna sticking hard to the rail. La Pamier out of the centre. Super Air charging down the outside with a fair run. Princess Luna the inside. La Pamier the outside. Then Super Air. Princess Luna giving something at the 100. La Pamier knuckling down now. Princess Luna in front. La Pamier trying. Trying hard, but Princess Luna packed a great punch and beat La Palmier. Photo third, Super Air on Mossman Gorge, diving late. Then Pizzoni, dream weaving, followed by Arrow Express and Global Citizen. Didn't a fire on the track last time in 53-1-3. There's one thing that uh, old professionals will tell you. They mightn't be the best horse in the race, but they're a dead set 900-metre horses or 800-metre horses or 1,000-metre horses. I'm not saying Princess Luna won't get further than 900 but uh, she was down on the minimum weight, but she's got a great speed, and now her record is three wins, all at the Gold Coast, all at 900 metres. Yep, and if you found her, you're certainly rewarded. At uh, started at $26. Scott Morrissey, uh, for all intents and purposes, looked like he was going to make it a um, race-to-race double in the next race when Safe Work loomed up uh, alongside Zuma California. I'd love to love to see um, you know some of those in in run markets. I'm sure Safe Work would have been. Well favoured, but um, yeah, Zuma California got the cash in the next race. The claim for Jasmine Cornish, was, you know, the three kilo claim was invaluable in the end there. I thought the win of the day on the Gold Coast yesterday, David, was far too easy. I thought um, he was, uh, yes, admittedly it was only a one metro metro win handicap, but uh, surged right back into calculations for the Kosciuszko. I think the second favourite there and some fascinating scenes post-race that I was party to. Uh, James Orman didn't waste much time doing an interview with Bernie Cooper or talking to me or, or doing anything else. He had one man in his sights, and that was David McComb, the trainer. He said, I want to ride this horse. He said, I'll do anything. He said, I just want to ride this horse in the Kosciuszko. He said, I've, you know, he's stating his case, saying he's ridden at Randwick before he's done this, he's done that. And David McComb, lovely fella, said, look, we'll take it all into consideration. Um, but terrific win. Um yeah, I mean, it should, should, you know, it was a $2.60 favourite, so I guess you, know, you might say it was entitled to win, but was back in the race, had to come up on the inside where arguably you didn't want to be. Had a lot of, you know, it's had a lot of setbacks, had a blood infection during the week, so obviously it was a horse that was you know, nearly drowned in the floods earlier in the year as well. Mm. So really nice story, that horse, and I, I wish David McComb all the best in the Kosciuszko. He is, if not the nicest bloke in racing, he'd be on the podium. They went to the country championships earlier in the year. That was 1,400 metres. I just always think it's a tad too far. I think the 1,200 of the Kosciuszko is ideal. There was a lot of merit in that win yesterday. And I'll take your point about going up on the inside. But I think as the day panned out, uh, the track was uniform. Because, yeah, you're right. Because he came up on the inside. Now, he might have been the best horse in the race and would have won there anyway. But then Princess Luna and Tegan Harrison deliberately stuck to the rail like glue and was able to win. But I, I think it showed inside or outside, it was a uniform, heavy A track, maybe just a tad better, maybe on the worst side of soft seven. That was a goal case yesterday. Once again to the club, congratulations on a job well done, raising good money for a very worthy cause in breast cancer. Our final replay, we go to Adelaide, the listed Wiley Stakes, and Taunting was up in class but was heavily back to win.
Well, Jess Eaton's going for it here and now. Taunting turns the bend four lengths in front. In second position, there was Kemal Passer. Still there to kill a time. Cutting the corner, Shimino. Taunting's getting a bit tired. Shimino's throwing out a big challenge the inside. It's running on from Kalkani Royale. Shimino's going after Taunting. Then Kemal Passer. It's Shimino. Is this going to be an upset? It'll give Will Price three for the day. Shimino wins the Wiley at any old price. Kemal Passer taunting and Calypso Rain, second, third and fourth. They're in a photo. Then Kalkani Royale, Behemoth, Mulvada, Tequila Time. What you want. Lady Dunmore last in, Shimino. It was a roughie, a late booking for Will Price. Philip Stokes trains. He's won three listed races now. He won the Manor High. He won the Doveton at Sandown. That was back in November 2020, and that was his last win. So it's been a fair while between drinks. He, he probably has lost his way to some degree, but he was back on the song there yesterday, darting up on the inside and claiming a few good scalps there into the bargain. Hard game, this punning, isn't it? I couldn't have found that horse. I couldn't have backed that horse with stolen money. But you probably good, didn't even know it was in. Good luck to those who did. Apprentice Will Price, that was, um, he had a treble on the day. That was one of them. So it was a huge day out for him. How does this producer, Dale, do that we finish right on time? Is that how good he is that he programs this this past the post that we finish right on 10 o'clock? Yeah, it's, Brisbane ex- time. it's extraordinary, isn't it? I'm um, disappearing for a few days this week. I'm going, I've got a, a, a week off school holidays. I'm taking my lovely daughter out to Chinchilla. I'm going to spend a couple of nights out with uh, Wally and G- Jill Gleeson, who read mm. Red Rothfire. Um, Emmy's really keen to get out there, and they're keen to have us, so we'll be riding ponies and watching kangaroos and maybe having a barbecue and a few beers. It'll be bloody terrific. And Wally will tell you a lot of good old putting stories from the old days. Yep. Make sure you ask him. Good on you, mate. Thanks, mate. Ben Dorries joining us this morning. Thanks for your company. Always appreciate it. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I'll be back with you on Press Room tomorrow morning and, of course, pass the post again next Sunday. Have a good day. Bye-bye.